Hey everyone, uh, welcome to our special section of Off The Agenda. Uh, this is To Be Quite Frank. Um, so I'm here with Zandile and Anu, and um, I just want to start with saying, how lovely does Levi Roots seem? He seems like an absolute gem. What a sweet guy. Yeah, and I, I, I kind of get the sense that he knows that he's done well, but he almost just doesn't know it as well, because he's just such a humble and just like laid back guy he gives me very very good energy he's just yeah. got he just seems also so positive yeah. and like optimistic and just one of those really like glass half full people yeah. Yeah. uh and he's clearly been on such a journey um i don't know yeah just i i found i found that really really inspirational to listen to his interview yeah. and i also really love that he didn't make it till he was like late 40s yeah, I think from the interview I took away um, when you talked about time, yeah. because like I think for all of us, we're all very conscious of the fact that t our time hasn't been ours for yeah. almost a year now. And it kind of puts into perspective, like maybe like what one is chasing or what one is doing with their time. And, you know, he was like, make use of your time. And I'm, it definitely like resonated with me and it's been ringing in my ear ever since. So yeah. I really, really liked that point that he made. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I really like the point that it's like never too late, how you highlighted about being 40, was it 46? 46 when he started, yeah. yeah. 48 when he properly when he, yeah, yeah, when he properly, yeah. and it was like what, two years of like, hard work yeah. took him to here and it's like it is yeah. never too late there is never that time yeah. where you think and I think especially when people get older they do think my time's gone like I don't have a lot of time yeah, yeah. I'm not young anymore <laughs> I can't yeah you kind of settle into yeah. like what you're doing already and like you have like you know commitments but I think you know clearly he's you know uh, an example of kind of breaking that barrier that you can yeah. do anything and we often like try and force ourselves into these boxes but he yeah. said no I'm going to do my own thing and here we are. What I love is that he was talking about um, his kind of learnings I guess when he um, when he was going through that, that process and when he was talking about how he started trying to market his jerk sauce to Caribbean people yeah. And then when he was like, why am I, why am I marketing this, marketing this, sorry, to people who already do their own sauce and already make their own food? Like, I need to think outside of the box. And that's when his business really took off, yeah. when he started going to what he called anywhere that ended with Shire. Yeah. <laughs> now, as someone with a Caribbean father who grew up in a Shire, I totally, that made me laugh so much. I was like, oh my God, this is so true. Like, whenever my friends came to my house as a kid and my dad and my dad was cooking, like, it was completely alien to them. So, like, what a great market to, like, tap into. Um, yeah, on that note, ladies, I have made us some Levi Roots recipes. I went on his website uh, and I've made his um, rice and peas, which has coconut in, which smelt really great when I was cooking it. it still smells amazing we can still smell it right now <laughs> and also um some jerk vegetables which I've just marinated in his jerk reggae reggae sauce so hopefully we can tuck in after we've had our chat it looks so nice I'm like <laughs> I want to eat it now I know I'm starving yeah. um I was going to ask you Zandili because obviously yeah. you are a business owner yourself yeah um how, like, was there anything about what he was saying that particularly resonated or that you feel I, like you learned from? Yeah, there's something I've learned from, which I also, I kind of know I have to do, but it's pushing me out of my comfort zone, which is bring the personal touch to your business. Ah. 
with me I've been hiding behind my brand like um, my salon brand my lash brand everything for a while and not putting my face out there putting it under a different name a lot of people don't even know it's mine it's yours so, yeah <laughs> and I and I, I've done that like I've wanted to hide and then it's kind of like because I don't know I've me I've always kept my business and my personal very separate and I've seen that the businesses that are succeeding and like flying off is people buying into you yeah yeah because yeah. ultimately yeah. you know um once like your business grows and explodes you can then build your own brand as your own person yeah like if if let's say you you know you sell it off or you have so many other people or branches yeah, it would true. probably be the right thing to do and you, yeah. you know i think you can definitely sell yourself I know. <laughs> it's like getting on like lives instagram lives and like when people do it they do it and they do well with it and i do see that they're getting better sales they're getting more like someone was even saying they did like an instagram live in the lockdown and just like basically promoting all their products and they made so much money and i'm just like i have products i have sales i have people that want to buy them asking me questions yeah. but i'm just hiding behind this brand where i know to put myself forward so i did really like the point that he said like they buy into you not just it's your so brand. true because yeah. he really is his brand. Yeah. Like yeah. when you think of reggae reggae sauce, you, you don't think, think of the bottle. Roots. You think yeah. of Levi Roots. Yeah. Well, at the same time, I understand why it actually why you'd be a bit hesitant and why you would hide behind your brand because I think in this day and age of social media and especially social media trolls and all that kind of stuff, putting yourself out there publicly, I think is quite a scary thing to do, yeah. and you really open yourself up to criticism and. I don't know, like, you've got to have quite thick skin these days, I think, to, to actually put your face to something. So I can understand. To, to add on, like, the media doesn't help, and I think um, to kind of further on our, our conversation, if we look at Meghan and Harry, for instance, oh. they have literally never had a day off. Yeah. There's never been anything positive. When she was pregnant, she was constantly getting berated. When, you know, when they decided to move back to the US, it was like, oh, she's stealing him away. And it's like, ultimately, like, we don't know what goes on behind closed doors. We, as, like, they're human beings. You can only imagine what it feels like to constantly have your life, like, you know, think pieces being written about you that aren't probably true. And yeah. certain individuals, I think, in the media... <laughs> Is Morgan unfortunately oh. don't help to the narrative and I think it's really really sad because I think from my point of view I know that a lot of it is just racially um charged because yeah, do you think it is? I, I definitely think that. so think? I think mm. even though Megan is um quote unquote white passing she is a mixed race woman yeah. and her, her lineage her lineage just has has you know do you think it's black. the fact that she's mixed race or do you think it's the fact that she's American <laughs> Because I think there's a bit of an anti-American thing going on there as well with her. I don't know about the fact that she's an American actress and that she's not, you know, a demure British. I don't know. I don't know. For me, I've never ever thought of of her hate to be um, because she's American. Because I think we as British people, we love Americans. I don't think, I mean... Do we? I think we do. Like, I don't. I think. I, I think we we accept them. Like it's. It's. I don't think it's about her being American. I think it's about her her race. And I, I think. It's a combo. I think um, when you see like I mean I remember like you know um, seeing some Daily Mail articles when she was pregnant, and then when Kate yeah. uh, Middleton was pregnant. I mean, do, do the Duchess of Cambridge was pregnant? There was just so much written about like her body how she dressed all of that and it was always 
terms. And you remember when she gave birth, um, one um, a radio presenter posted a, a photo of a monkey to depict him. So I think it's always been racially charged the her hate. Oh, I that's think all fine. I actually didn't know. Yeah, so I mean I mean and he got his job back. <laughs> so oh he, he wasn't God, even fired in the end. Um oh. and I think, you know, they've just won the libel case against the Daily Mail, which is great. And I think I I couldn't be someone who is literally in, in the forefront of social media or just the limelight like that because that would mentally take such a toll. It must do. I mean, I, I actually don't blame them for leaving. <laughs> like, <laughs> the amount of, pardon my friend, shit that they got from the media here. Um, and I know you mentioned Piers Morgan, but I find it really baffling, his odd obsession with her. Like, if, if you don't like them, like, what, just don't follow what they're doing. Like, just ignore... I don't know. I find, if I don't... I find it odd. I find it very odd how he just constantly feels the need to go at them like without any provocation whatsoever. It's like slightly bizarre, bizarre obsession. I don't know. It's like a sort of playground thing where, and you know, we're like, if a boy fancies a girl and like he basically like is mean to her. <laughs> I feel like, is there something you need to address? Um, yeah, I don't know. But I also, I, I've heard a few people say about um, like how how can they, on the one hand, sue the Daily Mail and then on the other hand, post a picture publicly? But I think that's a very different thing. Like, no, you cannot want your private life splattered all over the newspapers. It's like, it's like if, um, I don't know, you want to be able to post what you want on your Instagram, but you don't want other people just randomly posting, like... Yeah, also how it's posted. It's, yeah. not, it's not posted as good news celebration. It's, it's constant insults and, like... Yeah. It's criticizing their lives, lives. Yeah. so it's she, a bit different to choosing yeah. when you want to post your good news to someone tearing apart like everything exactly. yeah and I think there's still an element of social media that you can control like I'm I have a public Instagram for like modeling but I also have a private where I can just be myself and I have yeah. a close set of friends that have access to that yeah. and that's fine. And I think when you're on social media, you always want to be able to control the narrative anyways. And I think having yeah. that narrative taken away from you, obviously comes of being in the limelight, but I feel like there's just an element of just losing that respect yeah. for a human being that a lot of publications have and continue to do. And we've seen that years and years, but you know, with like the news of the world, yeah. um, you know, like even recently Britney Spears and all of that, like yeah. coming back to light. Like I just think it, there has to be a time where, we as consumers stop taking it in because I think we are just to blame. If we're if yeah. we're like feeding into this this machine that's constantly tearing people down, yeah. we're just as bad. There is also a difference between um, having someone intercept a personal letter that you've written to your dad and you posting a picture that you choose to post on your Instagram. Like, how are they even comparable? Like, why are people so angry about the fact that she felt violated? Anyone would. Uh, surely people just follow what they see in the media I don't yeah. think a lot of people actually form their own opinions I think they read the newspaper they see an agenda being posted about someone and they agree with it yeah. so I think a lot of people who don't like her like if you actually ask them why don't you like her they just, oh, I just don't like her yeah and yeah, you know, it's like yeah it. it's yeah, basically propaganda true. like you've been programmed yeah. yeah it's just actually made me think about the whole just our chat about the whole America British thing so did you guys see also this week in the um in the media, um, there's that film, um, oh, The Black Messiah. What's Judas that? and the Judas Black, and the Black, Black, Black Messiah. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> that one. Yeah. Um, and there's a really great British actor, Daniel Kaluuya, that plays um, Hampton, who's like the main character, who's a um, 
one of the leaders of the Black Panther movement in the 60s. And there's been some controversy about the fact that he is a British actor yeah. playing uh, an American um, civil rights figure. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, personally, I don't really know whether I think that is too controversial because, I mean, how many times have Americans played Brits and vice versa? Like, it's just... And he's an actor. Surely he should be able to, you know, as a professional actor, take on any role. And that's the whole point of being an actor. I don't really know what the issue is, but what do you guys think? I don't know. I agree to a certain extent, but I also think that there is, like... like I do get the issue because, obviously, it's something that started in America. So I can understand if you'd want American actors who've gone through it and understand the real process to take on the role. But then I also think that comes down to a like wider issue as such as things like the Black Panthers, like um sorry the film. Not the not the um not not yeah yeah Black Panther the film. Yeah. Who's obviously played it's based on like Af- Africa African uh, actors like why could you not get African actors to do the role? Which That's would have true, been actually. a very, very strong point because there's not many mm. actors you can think from Africa mm. who mm. are playing these huge Hollywood roles. Yeah. So yeah. it does open a big... And I think in, in those type of situations, if you're going to portray a culture, it would be better to get someone from the culture who understands it to mm-hmm. play the role. Yeah, and I think to add on to that, I think another issue with the film is that um, the actors who are portraying the characters are way older. And I think I was reading that a lot of people can't resonate with the fact that um, obviously Hampton was actually 21 and I think the other characters were 17, Mm -hmm. but the actors playing them are like in their early 30s, late 30s. And it's like you can't feel a sense of um, pain for these characters as well because you're not connecting because you're seeing an an old male play them. And I think obviously I know that happens a lot, but I think... Personally, should he have played the role? P- probably not, because I think, especially because it's American civil civil rights, like we didn't have the civil rights movement like that in the UK. Uh, yeah, at the same time, though, I think the Black Panthers were quite an international, like they were quite sympathetic to international causes, although it was centred in, in America. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. The age thing is interesting because... I don't know, like all of the teen dramas that we grew up watching, like those kind of sort of 90s teen movies that are great. All of those actors, you know, they're playing like 17 year olds. They're all like in their mid to late 20s. No, I, I, yeah. But I I think, I think nowadays more and more shows try and cast people close to the ages that the people are portraying just because there are so many actors and yeah. of course you can cast someone for that. Like it does, it's not going to be, it might be, it might be hard, but there's going to be someone who's going to fit into that particular um, um, character. So yeah. maybe. Yeah. I guess if it's integral to the story, like this is, then maybe it is more important to get yeah, someone definitely. of a closer age. Whereas like a teen drama, I mean, it doesn't yeah. really. It's fiction. So it's that less. said. Actually, sorry, that's just made me think of something. Like watching a teen drama when you're a teenager yourself and you see all these beautiful 20-somethings, right? <laughs> Obviously, now, I don't know about you guys, but I definitely looked better in my 20s than I did when I was, like, 16. <laughs> <laughs> no, I agree, I agree, I agree, I agree. And so as, like, a sort of braces-wearing 16-year-old with frizzy hair, which is basically what I was, like, watching these beautiful actors 
who are not the same age as me, but pretending to be the same age as me is a little bit demoralizing. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. Maybe there is a point, maybe you do have a point actually that it should be, you know, someone as close to the age. Yeah. You can just be captivated because then you really understand what is actually going yeah yeah and i think coming back to the judah and the messiah film yeah i don't think daniel is to blame i don't think daniel should be oh, the problem. Oh, that's i don't role. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think anything i think it's the whole industry in general like when you're talking about films and how they should be closer casted i don't think making a point out of someone is fair but yeah. i think definitely they should they should close cast to yeah. people that really understand the issues that um especially when it's fiction I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, non-fiction, sorry. Non-fiction, yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Yeah, so yeah, as you yeah. know, it's non-fiction. Yeah. You should definitely, yeah, try and get it close to the 